You see, we run a small advertising firm that's on a little bit of a hot streak. <laughs> oh, really? Would I know any of your clients? Um, the Michigan Science Center. Whoa, the Science Center? Holy shit! What are those guys really like? They're honestly so nice. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> This is the Extra Hot Break Podcast, episode 209 for the week of June 25th, 2018. I am Slipknot Persona, David T. Cole, and I'm here with Yes in the Room, Sarah D. Bunting. Sorry it's not Bing Crosby. Husky Boy, Tara Ariano. Just more of me to love. And Mr. Groove, Josh Gondelman. Come on, teens, let's party. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Extra Hot Great. Before we get into the show proper, just a quick uh, bit of site business. We are off next week to celebrate the founding of America. Um, fireworks, hot dogs, all that good stuff. So we'll be back in two weeks' time after this, correct? Yes. All right. Then that's site business. Please join me in welcoming our first-time guest of Last Week Tonight and stand-up comedy and Twitter pep talks, Josh Gondolin. Hello, Hello. Josh. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. Uh, we're thrilled that you're here, especially since we've been trying to get this together for a while, and there was like not a lot of premieres that were coming up that were your jam. But when I let you know that it was almost Detroiters, you said you loved, loved, loved it. And so that is what we are here to talk about, season two of Detroiters. Uh, which premiered with two episodes back-to-back last Thursday. Uh, We've also seen the next two. And uh, what was interesting to me is that, I mean, it's a very silly show. We talked about it a little bit last uh, earlier this year when we did a Detroiters canon submission uh, with Smile and Jack. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which was successful. It got into the canon. But um, what's interesting to me this year is that, judging from the the, uh, the season premiere and the supercut of future episodes, it looks like... Sam and Tim have an actual antagonist other than their own incompetence in this other ad agency donor. So what do you think this is shaping up to be? Is this something that the show needed? What did you think of uh, our first our first look at this agency in the premiere? Josh? Oh, I really liked it. I, I love their it has that characteristic Detroiters like Tam and uh, excuse me, Sam and Tim hate donor just because yep. which i love like that's such a funny quality where it's like they they don't do the it, I, it makes me laugh so much that they don't do the like justifying of why they're bad they're just like we hate them they're powerful rich dicks and you go okay i like these guys i hate their enemies <laughs> sarah you this was more of the show than you had seen before i believe because you'd only seen that canon episode uh were you were you uh won over by the grill master episode or was that too much meat for you um which episode was the grill master episode because i watched the first two and now i am like hoarding oh okay well never mind that's episode three <laughs> i will not spoil it tell, uh, tell us your impressions of the first two then mm, meaty um i love being around this show whenever i'm asked to be around it i definitely have to make more of an effort to get caught up with it so i thought that donor was just like an ongoing like howard hamlin situation oh no they're new uh for them um but that like 
that moment when he's passing the post-it with the terribly drawn middle finger on it. Oh my god. And then the guy just looks down and is like, I'm not reaching for that. So he just like weaves around. I, I mean, their ear for how long to let a bit like that go on mm-hmm. is the best in the business that so uh, that funny. I know of. Perfect. And then the, the middle finger is something that that I would draw just as like <laughs> truncated menorah situation that is terrible. And then they have the villain just being like, what even is this? Uh, yeah, it's it's good. Uh, my other favorite thing that I rewound 58 times um, was Sam's face when he's like, maybe Tim should be the actor in this commercial. <laughs> and then Tim's elaborate pretending that it had just occurred to him. And like the squishing of his face, I mean, that like it's just got such a good ear. It's one of those things that I like to call an egg. Like it's perfect. It has everything that it needs to be in it, but there's no like seams on it. It just came out perfect that way. So yeah. yes, this was a delight, and uh, I'm looking forward maybe to the Grillmaster episode. That's episode three. It's this. It's this Thursday. Yeah, Dave and I did a rewatch of season one recently, like within the month, I think. And I was a little worried that because season one is so good, so many it's high so points, good. so much great guest casting. I was worried that they couldn't hit it. And then when that series season premiere comes out of the gate with Tim Meadows as the like <laughs> very expectation managing um, lawyer who's. Uh, <laughs> case they tried to take on and was like oh okay they've they've still got it josh what it what was your thoughts on the on the guest casting in uh in the i, I loved saw? tim meadows as a guest star someone was it you that tweeted that recently that just like tim meadows putting in these guest roles on sitcoms is just so incredible like he was so funny on brooklyn 99 as the yes. cannibal that jake was cellmates with he's yes. so funny in this as just like uh, I said kind of a Mac with dog bites. Like <laughs> everything he does, like he it's he has this like the second uh gear of Tim Meadows mm-hmm. that I don't even remember from his SNL days because because I think the ladies man was like his standout performance, right? That's mm-hmm. like what got the big push and what you remember of him the most. But like him playing these kind of like subdued uh weird men uh mm-hmm. just and like not like the um the the con the the contrast between how he is as a lawyer and like that april in the d video is so yeah. funny it's like <laughs> i just love when tim meadows shows up in the thing i'm just like great this is gonna be a good time i'm so with you he was he was also very similar like really low-key on son of zorn as the um, <laughs> killed too soon, alas, son of Zorn on Fox last year, but he was the second husband of, the, of Cheryl Hines, who had formerly been married to like basically an animated He-Man guy, and now she's with this other guy who's like a life coach, kind of or something like that. I forget what his job was, but yeah, this. Um, you're right. I love this gear of Tim Meadows. Also, you can see it in Pop Star, where he was the fourth Tony of Tony, 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 oh, yeah. that then got dropped before they. Uh, <laughs> he's he's so incredible but i also have to give a shout out to um the second episode where we got to see sam male modeling because our friend brian grubb over at um uprocks did a gif of like just some of the silent shots of sam male modeling (laughs) 
like every face he makes is so perfect like he's he's so he so nails like the smugness of a guy in that ad and also like the faint realization like of how ridiculous it is like sam richardson is so incredible in this part i mean i know he wrote it for himself but yeah dave what are, what were your thoughts on those, so those I, two episodes? as we're watching season two i was struck by like a comparison between uh sam and tim and detroiters and jd and turk on scrubs and yeah. they have a similar relationship they're obviously very good friends who are very honest and forthcoming with each other and share a lot of common interests but like uh zap braff's like presentation is so in your face and uh pronounced whereas in detroiters the relationship seems even more effortless and natural but still supernatural you know what i mean like it's, <laughs> it's still over the top and it's still comedic but it has a flow to it that seems like you can buy into it more and i love jd and turk's relationship in scrub it was obviously mm -hmm. for me one of the best things about that show but like detroiters takes that to like another level where it is both more natural and more comedic. Some like there, I think because they make it so believable, everything that comes out of that relationship has higher comedic value. You know, when they do go ape shit over the new agency just because, <laughs> or last year that new digital firm upstairs just because, yes. you know, like it really like seems like them, right? And there's probably something about how comfortable actors are playing a first name version of themselves in a show and how well they get along together. Right. You know, like there's, mm -hmm. there's, there's a correlation there between being Tim and Sam and being Tim and Sam. And I think that shows uh, in this. And I think they're like, even as comfortable as it seemed like they felt in season one you can tell in season two they're starting to branch out like more of the show is taking place outside of the agency and you know there's a family reunion there's um the the, the brother uh, is that that's one of the undared <laughs> episodes right the brother yes. yeah. yeah that's episode four. Um, yeah. Oh my episode god four the is really best good. one <laughs> yeah that, and that casting i didn't want to i don't know if that even qualifies as it's not like the same way of like a cameo as when tim meadows appears because it's right connor o'malley who's you know wasn't on snl for 15 years but he's so incredibly funny oh, god um, yes and i always i always think when, when he showed up i thought it makes so much sense because um tim robinson's character in this and other things is basically like a functional version of the characters Connor O'Malley plays. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> but even like everything about his character is so well observed too. Like the outfit, his like dress up outfit to go to the office. We'll try, I'll try and be vague without soiling it, but like the slightly too big polo shirt, the definitely too big chain, the absolutely too big, like G it's like all of it, his surliness. Like that was maybe my favorite episode of the season of the series ever. And certainly of this, of the first four that we got to see, he was amazing. The little details that rounded out again, not to spoil, but like everything he does is like really specific and funny. Like it's not, he's not just like some like douchey, trashy younger brother. He's like a mm -hmm. very specific guy. Not, not only to like the, the kind of sensibility that like 
Connor often plays with things is always so funny to me, but yeah. to like fit to fit him into that world, like to the world of Detroit. It's like, oh yeah, that's the guy that would live in the Detroit suburbs. Yeah. And, you know, it's Battlefield, not Call of Duty. <laughs> stupid. It's actually yeah. a really good note because a Call of Duty player is very different from a Battlefield player. <laughs> Well, I love that it's always those little things like that slow, threatening door close when they're having that meeting at the science center. Like he closes it enough to show his eye and then slams it. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And then their April in the D video where like an African-American civilian walks like behind them while they're doing their thing and t their rap. And Tim like sort of pulls his motions in a little bit <laughs> and then when the guy's out of the, his eyeline he goes back to being really big it's just i mean it's so smart but then it's also like i don't know sometimes like excessively smart comedy can make me feel like i enjoy watching this and seeing how it's built but I, i'm not sure i would like be able to hang out with these people and mm -hmm. this is not that this is like a very welcoming smart yeah, stupid it, if that it, makes any sense. Yeah, no, yeah. it has the uh, elastic reality of a show like 30 Rock, but it flows in and out of that that elasticity much less jarringly than a show like 30 Rock, whereas 30 Rock will be an office sitcom, and then suddenly there's a puppet grandma, or, or that's Kimmy Schmidt, but same thing. Right. You know, there, there's something <laughs> crazy like that, and the pull, you know, you're, you're out of it. You're back into it. Whereas this show, like, the craziness is organic to the world they created and sort of how things can be extremely silly and pronounced, but still be of the show rather than uh, sort of a an old school Simpsons or family guy aside and then flashback kind of thing. And I think that's part of its charm. Yeah, yeah I think they do that so well of making the like real elevated silliness of uh, part of like seamless like when that the physical comedy of him passing the note around the table <laughs> and like not pushing it across sliding it across and then there's one point where he goes oh like that hurt like someone <laughs> no, yeah like all <laughs> those little throwaway yeah yeah uh, but, meanwhile but the whole sardines thing like that outro is like sardine <laughs> i've been walking oh, yeah. around the house yelling that at pets for like two days so funny the <laughs> the attention to detail is so great like the the list of names of sam uh, nicknames tim had given to sam's ex-girlfriend in the grill master <laughs> episode is like so perfect because it's like mean but not grotesquely mean to the point where like oh the person who wrote this is gross do you right. know what i mean right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah there's something like we're going to talk about this more in the canon episode uh today but Detroiters like really is a showcase for comedic escalation and repetition and yes. when to pull back on those, you know, mm -hmm. like the list and, uh, you know, how crazy things get, how long he walks around the table with that note. Like they seem <laughs> to be able to nail the timing of that. They have like an internal clock for their comedy that they're yep, very comfortable totally. with. Whereas, you know, like um, other shows will be tempted to let something that lands lands in the writing room go longer on the show because like you know it's they've got the saturday night live thing where they you know they want to capture you know uh a character or a catchphrase or something and that's going to be something they can pin the show to whereas this they seem like they know the shelf life of everything they do and they know, know exactly how long to uh let it sit there and it's it's really impressive to sort of like after you watch it once and laugh your ass off to watch it again and sort of like for the tradecraft of the whole thing 
you know, yeah. when, when they're letting things go, when they're introducing things, how far they'll take a mean streak before they pull mm-hmm. it back. It's, it's, it's pretty impressive to watch. But at the same time, it's like, it's not like Sam and Tim are a bucket of quirks either. Like Mm-mm. so much of the situations comes out of what we know about their characters and like yes. the way that one of them will be up and the other will be down in ways that are totally consistent with what, what they've established about each of them separately. And, and when the two of them are like joining forces against a third party that they've, as we said, decided for no reason is their enemy. It's and even like how much they love each other and yes. what they'll do for each other. They're like Sam, buddies. Sam saying that Tim should be in the ad because Tim wanted it, not because there's like any good reason for it, mm-hmm. is like so generous to his friend. And even the conclusion of that episode where they decide together, although it was clearly because Tim was so bad at it. Um, yep. Well, I guess we shouldn't be in the ads anymore. <laughs> it's like, it's only reasonable. And, and the, I'd also the like line... to note those actual suits were fantastic. Yeah, oh, yeah. Not for nothing. I was just like, I'd wear that. Look at that little pocket <laughs> square with like, it, you know, the dodecahedron pocket square. I was like, mm-hmm, that's cute. It's so funny. It's, they're just great. It's really great. And, um, and the, the way they relate to each other, like, again, not to spoil too much of episode four, but he goes, Sam goes, he, your brother reminds me of your father. And Tim says, no, I remind you of my father. <laughs> and then he lies about the conversation later. He says, oh, he said he reminds him of me. And it's like, that's not what he said. But like, they just, the the protection of their relationship that goes on, like in the maintenance of it, because of how much they love one another. And I think the concessions that Sam makes to Tim specifically mm-hmm. are like so tender. Yes. It's a wonderful show. I feel like not enough people even know that it exists. And so I'm glad that this was your pick, Josh, for us to discuss because the world needs to know. The world needs to get on board with Detroiters. It's uh, Thursday nights at 10 Eastern on Comedy Central and all of season one is on the app. So if you have a cable login, you can also watch those and you should because they are amazing. Yeah, it's the it's a sitcom that even Sarah likes. So there you go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One of the four. (laughs) it's time to go around the dial everybody's going to talk about something they've been watching recently tara ariano you are up first okay uh to close out pride month i have two pieces of queer entertainment that for all of the belly aching people do about peak tv both i think could not have existed except at any other time but now and i'm so glad that they do first a netflix special called nanette um starring hannah gadsby josh you're a stand-up comic have you seen this yet i have not i've heard only wonderful things about it and i haven't had the chance to watch it yet i'm excited too it's amazing i feel like i can't say that much about it without like giving away sort of the turn of it which makes it seem like it has a twist and it doesn't really but About a third of the way through, she talks about how she's come to a point in her career where um, she's she's an Australian lesbian comic. She said she's come to a point in her career where she's starting to think that she might have to quit comedy. And the reason is that up to this point, she's done self-deprecating humor and she's, you know, realized or figured out that that's not humility. That's humiliation when someone who's already in a marginalized group does it to themselves and sort of talks about how her, you know, other things that have made her have to 
changed how she feels about comedy because her old favorite comic was Bill Cosby and because angry white man comedy is such a thing and how interesting is that or how do we how much do we need it and <clears throat> and talking about how a joke is you know a story that just has a beginning and a middle and then you know sort of circles back and tells the end of a couple of the jokes that earlier in the special she had you know presented as jokes and then here's how they actually came out and some are positive and some are really not and it ends on this just amazing bracing ending that i feel like i've never ever seen any kind of thing before it's like to even call it a comedy special feels wrong it's it's incredible that's all i'll say about it you definitely should check it out as i said it's on netflix it's almost like a like a, a second coming out kind of you know yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. a great way to put it yes <clears throat> to to sort of like to ch and and coming out as a not comic and why you know like like the anyway people will be studying it for years and that's not a joke like it's 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 incredible what she accomplishes speaking of which the other show that I wanted to talk about was Pose on FX. Uh, this is the um, set in 1987 drag ball, uh, New York drag ball scene show from Ryan Murphy. Um, like American Crime Story, every episode is like movie length, which is fine because it's such a feast for the eyes. Like it's gorgeous to look at. All of the ball scenes are amazing. And um, <clears throat> but also um, it just feels so important interesting to see the stories of trans people told by trans actors presumably by trans writers like the difference between seeing a story like we did in the most recent episode where one of the lead characters electra we've been hearing throughout the first three episodes that she has this daddy who sort of takes care of her he ends up being played by chris maloney which is amazing and they have a conversation about her wanting to have um sex reassignment surgery and he doesn't want her to and why and whether she's you know going to let him dictate or overrule what her own wishes are on this and and then a similar conversation between angel and um uh stan uh and who are younger he's his whole the sort of joke of his character is that he works in trump tower like har har and his boss is james vanderbeek sarah who is hilariously disgusting oh. um Excellent. And um, <clears throat> and so the conversation sort of turns on, you know, whether these characters are willing to trade, you know, loneliness versus being in a relationship with someone that they fear is only with them because of a fetish, which interestingly is also something that came up on Dietland this week, obviously somewhat different circumstances, but a similar sort of thing where it's like people that are on the fringes of what is acceptable for a body to be. Um, like these are not stories that get told. And even within the pose const construct, um, you know, the, all of the ball scenes, <clears throat> excuse me, in the latest episode involved, um, like people getting called out for, this is not a face category. It's a body category. You're supposed to be real. You're supposed to pass. You're not meeting, you're not meeting the majority standards of beauty. Like even in our marginalized sub, you know, sub community you're you're falling short of what the standards we've set so and it's it's a fascinating show the performances are amazing like i said it looks great it's extremely heartbreaking at times but it's really great and i'm so glad that fox uh, that fx made it and as i said that we're living in a time when it could exist sarah have you been able to watch any of it yet uh no not yet because i've been uh just well 
Uh, we'll get into it in my plug section, but yes, I am looking forward to uh, marinating in all sorts of things that I haven't had time to watch yet uh, on the week off. So yeah, that's top of the list for sure. Yeah, it's just like you've, I feel like you've seen trans stories like as a one-off episode, like obviously many times on SVU, like handled in a gross patronizing like it's always a tragic story and like mm -hmm. definitely there is tragedy here too but it's just the difference in letting giving people the opportunity to tell their own stories as opposed to having them like parachute into the lives of characters you know who are very comfortable and privileged and teaching right. them a lesson and then you never see them again so pray to both nanette and pose and for my plugs, <clears throat> I'm still recapping Claws at Previously.TV. And in addition to that, you can also catch me over at Vulture uh, recapping this uh, first season of AMC's Dietland. And coming soon to Decider with our old friend Joe Reed, I will be recapping Sharp Objects for them starting on July 8th. So find me in all of those places. What's that show? Sharp Objects. <laughs> all right, Josh, it's your turn. What do you got? Hello. So I've been making my way through Barry on HBO. I'm a little bit behind and I really enjoy it. Um, I, it's Bill Hader as an, uh, like a contract killer who moves to LA to do killing or goes to LA to do killing and falls in love with acting and <laughs> takes an acting class and makes friends. And, uh, I just, I'm like a big hater fan. Um, uh, that I oh gosh I should look up her name but the the woman who plays opposite him um, is really wonderful too I, I think it's the first thing I've seen her in uh, and Henry Winkler's great uh, uh, Sarah Goldberg is her name who plays Sally oh and, yeah um, she was on um, that show Hindsight that I loved on VHS oh right 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 and Stephen Root Darcy Carden from The Good Place um, it's like super great. It's really, I also, the, so the thing that slows me down while I'm watching it, cause it's, it's like so funny. And I, I think like, I have a problem sometimes with prestige comedy, not being funny and this is really funny. So yes. I enjoy that. <laughs> um, I, I just like have a, I just like, I'll watch a drama, just call it a drama and then I'll watch it. <laughs> but like, don't. <laughs> There's there's too much peanut butter in the chocolate sometimes, and um, <laughs> so and this is that's not an, a a condemnation of Barry. I'm just saying it, it gets put into that category, and it is very funny, but it's also so stressful, uh, yes. and I find everything so stressful, and it's really it like keeps me away from a lot of great television shows. So both Barry and Search Party, I think, are really funny and really compelling. And they, I like make my way through them very slowly because it causes me such, um, stress <laughs> because I just want everyone to be okay or not yes. even everyone. I just want like the ones that I like to be okay and figure it out. And the ones that I like to have, um, to, to get out of their lives, <laughs> subroot everything. Cause I'm just like a basic child emotionally um but it's so good that i still watch it this i feel i get the same about this and uh search party on tbs which mm -hmm. is like very similar in that it's like uh it's a comedy that has real story and arc behind it and like the the upside to that is it's like super satisfying to watch the full season or even you know to halfway into the season be like oh i'm so excited to see how this unfolds but for me personally the downside is it's 
um, you know, normally even um, Silicon Valley, which I find to be like kind of a, a stressful show, the stresses kind of like peak week to week, mm-hmm. or even if they peak at the end, it's not like someone's safety at stake. Um, and these are, just, there's just like a mounting dread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't deal with that well. And it's a testament to how good the show is that I'm like, oh, okay, put it on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it's like Breaking Bad, but with somebody likable at the head. Yes. So you're like, the yeah. stakes are higher for Bre- you personally. Breaking yeah. Bad took me so long to get through as well because I was watching it by myself in hotel rooms when I was on the road and I just would be like, well, this is untenable. Uh, it's just like, well, I do an hour and then I stare at the ceiling for an hour. Uh, but, and then I had roommates that were watching it. So we binged seasons three and four in a week. And every day when I had to leave the house to go to shows or to tutor at the time, I would just feel, I would feel, uh, just sick with dread and i was like why do i feel bad my life is good i'm working and then i was like oh it's the poison that i'm putting into myself because it's like it's like the yeah it's like the whiskey of shows and it both because it has that like you know that typical kind of like prestige dude thing energy but also because it feels great and it's poisoning yeah (laughs) it's funny this is like the third time in about a month we've had somebody come on and say like how that type of tv show makes them feel bad like like that tv is affecting their health in some sort of way it's kind of a kind of interesting my my sensibility has gotten like even gentler since uh like the the news coverage and the world have become darker and i'm just like so like we talked about detroiters before and that's like i just like crave that and kimmy schmidt and i we tore through great news the tracy wigfield show oh Um, r.i.p i know and um and good place and it's just like i it's i don't even it's not like i watch every oh and bob's burgers is the other one um Mm -hmm. it's not that i watch every comedy show but it is like that's just what feels good mm-hmm. but like Barry again Barry is so all the performances are so great the writing is so great there's like I, someone wrote an article about how it's like noir with comedy elements mm-hmm. and and it's like yeah I love sorry my dog's being a little yappy um yeah. noir with comedy elements and I love that I love that kind of like propulsiveness but it is like uh, it's worth staring into the darkness, even if you're a person <laughs> with like a very delicate constitution and sensibility, like I am. <laughs> That's a good endorsement. Yeah. And for your plugs. Oh, for my plugs. So I guess I um am professionally obligated to say that you should watch last week tonight with John Oliver Sundays yes. at eleven on HBO. <laughs> and uh, otherwise. Uh, I have a stand-up album called Physical Whisper that's a couple years old. And then next year, I'll be coming out with a new stand-up album and a book in Yay! 2019. Wow. So it's right. kind of an advanced plug. Where um, can people find your dates as, if you're oh, yeah, going sure. out? Oh, yeah, sure. com and then twitter.com slash joshgondelman. I'm pretty good about updating stuff. I wrote a Shouts and Murmurs for The New Yorker recently. That's fun to read. Hey, if you're looking I'm to be so like, what does this guy think is funny? <laughs> we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes too. Oh, thanks. Sarah D. Bunting. 
Um, so yeah, way less classy um, and not all that new, but uh, several previous guests this year have been talking about how Jersey Shore family reunion is like strangely relatable and touching while also being a total garbage fire at times. So it's like <laughs> operating on two of those levels. Uh, so finally I was like, okay, after I forget who the most recent guest was to talk about it maybe diablo cody i think it was her yeah okay uh i was like all right um so this whole season is sitting on my dvr and i'm just gonna do it so i watched the two hour premiere event which was from like april whatever my dvr is full of things um and it's it's really good like they've they have grown up so there's not a lot of that sort of if you watch enough mtv material and i watch most of it still even though i'm 45 <laughs> uh there is a certain sameness to the like getting drunk screaming conflicts that's like i mean sadly i still find that somewhat compelling at times but only if it's like people i already know like on the challenge um and even then it's like just stop like stop like you're you're not all that interesting this is all vodka and cameras being in your face this is a little different. Like they're still getting wasted, but then Snooki is like, uh, you know, I have the worst hangover, and I, st and then she still feels obligated to like clean up around the house, and uh, she's like freaking out that ants are getting in her weave. Um, like the other ones are teasing her because she just had this like boob job, and it's recent enough that she still isn't like. There's been some loss of sensation, and she isn't always aware, like literally, where her boobs are like a world hmm. and like her nipple will just be out and it it is unintentional now instead of 10 years ago when she would have been like "Ooh, everyone can see my entire body uh it is it's interesting like it's really only been five years since that show kind of like sailed off a cliff um along with mike sorrentino's um freedom basically but even he is like he's making the sobriety stick He's dealing with his tax issues. They all seem kind of in a better place, but they're also just like hilarious widows. And at a certain level, like these are my, <laughs> this is my home people. So I don't know. I love Pauly D. He makes me laugh. Um. So yeah, it really, it is good, but it's also like, it's not the, it's train wrecky a little bit, but it's also just kind of, um, like affirming in in some way like okay hmm. but like they managed to all get to the present day and nobody died <laughs> knock wood <laughs> and they like the way that snooki and jay wow are friends like i watched a little of their show that they had just the two of them but there is something very there is something genuine about these friendships and just how it you know how it's become familial and they drive each other crazy, but they're always going to know each other. So, uh, yeah, I was like, well, now that we've had two guests recommend it, I should check it out. Um, and I'm looking forward to, uh, marinating in that as well. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to alternate it with episodes of pose, but I might. <laughs> For my plug, uh, I have a little pop music podcast. It's called Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. Mark Blankenship and I talk about songs. And this coming week, themes. 
Bond themes for uh. episode 107, because we had to. Uh-huh. Uh, we are ranking all the Bond, the seven Bond themes, as it turns out, that charted in the United States. And uh, the the uh, eventual winner might surprise you. It surprised hmm. me. So that's Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Nobody does it better. <laughs> nice. Maybe. Hmm. Live and let die. Oh, that is a good one. Um, yeah. Tara, I want to pose you a question for the start of my Around the Dial. Uh, okay. Which is, uh, you were saying something as we were watching some episodes of season two of Handsmaid's Tale, which you mm-hmm. said out loud. I wonder if, how the show would do if any of the characters were like likable and compelling unto themselves. The desirability of keep watching the show, does it hang on sort of the dystopian setting alone? Is that what compels yeah. people to watch? Oh, yeah, it? good point. Yeah, I mean... At this point, it's and I tweeted about this too. It's it's untethered from the material in the book, other than some stuff where they're sort of reaching back into you know her mentions of like things that happened in the deep past, like before before Gilead. But other than that, like they're just plot wise completely out on their own now. And like I feel like they're they've given up any idea of making any of the characters that interesting and it's just completely propelled by the plot now i have seen people in various commentating places um <laughs> saying that uh serena is their favorite character or the most interesting or whatever so i don't know if they're heading we're still behind th- i think three episodes from where they are now so we're we're we may still be catching up to where she does something out of character but yeah i just feel like it's it's a completely plot driven exercise and like it's hard to care about what happens to any of the individual right and but i think anymore. like the i mean i haven't read the book but from season 1 and of everything you've told me about the book like it seems like the point of the book or at least like sort of the throughput of the book it's like a warning about yeah. trends that were happening that are happening and where they could go and season 1 did all that and yeah. season two is just doing kind of a little bit more of that. But at a certain point, it kind of like it's becomes without like character growth, it sort of becomes some sort of porn, right? Like like subjugation sure. porn or something. I Yeah, I and, agree. I'm caught up. And I I have to say that, especially after. I mean, as people are listening to this, I think another episode has dropped. But the most recent episode as we're recording this, it really was starting to feel like you know, the, like scab picking and what's the new bad thing we can have happen to. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they, they double down. Yeah. How much the characters even can grow in this kind of a context is like, that's the question, right? right. It's like, there's a, there's, you're living in a state of like 24 seven emergency, basically. Like there's, there's only so much that you can do. And then if you just try stuff and get slapped down, like, okay, well, right. I guess we tried that and it didn't work, you know? Yep. Anyway. No, I, I just kind of felt like um, uh, the hands made tale was a thesis statement and they're trying to make more out of it. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like yeah. it had a point and its point was, you know, uh, look out, look at this thing coming down the pike. And then when you try to create build on that, they're just not doing it in the right way. And I don't know if they it's could. The, like, it's I mean, the Vanity Fair article. Of <laughs> concepts like yeah. this is a perfectly good compelling rereadable vanity fair article full-length book did not need to happen right 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 uh the other show that over in the middle of watching season two of is luke cage and uh i have this question is there a fireworks factory in harlem and can we get there 
<laughs> it is a bit slow. I I am not not enjoying watching it because there's always moments, you know, like when Luke Cage just gives somebody a look and throws them across the room. You know, that's entertaining. Although two out of three times he throws him into a flimsy poker table or something of the sort. Like, let's just bury it up. How about like a, yeah. a collection of vases or uh, I don't know, something <laughs> else. Um, but yeah, they don't seem to be going anywhere. Bushmaster, the season two villain, was introduced very early and he's still just sort of puttering around the margins not really doing anything and we're like more than halfway through this season it just seems like they mm -hmm. haven't kicked it into high gear it's been a problem with all the marvel superhero shows where you're watching the season you're like this needs an editor this needs to be x episode shorter and luke cage season yep. two for what i've watched so far we're not quite done but it just seems like that again i find that with with some other netflix shows too even like really interestingly expertly done ones overall i was like i it's not something like um i watched wormwood and mm -hmm. kind of felt like oh this is six episodes what if it were four episodes mm -hmm. and yeah like, not far be it for <laughs> yeah. me to tell errol morris how to do his job but like no you can he's not yeah. do <laughs> but like come on like it's it's not a space it's a really fascinating story but it's like not a space that i necessarily like needed to luxuriate it you know there are some right. shows where it's like <laughs> yeah. oh i could watch a hundred episodes a year of this and like that wasn't it it's like yeah i don't know like remember when documentaries were like the length of a movie or a yep. mini series <laughs> not like two mini series end to end it really feels like stuff like that gets really stretched probably because there's like a lot of footage and a lot of people saying interesting things even yeah. if it doesn't serve like the best way to tell the story and then like other shows are now like oh it's a three episodes it's a three episode season each episode is four minutes <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that netflix is 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 the network or whatever the entity that we're talking about because you know the economic reality of netflix is it doesn't really matter one fig whether they do uh, an eight episode season, a four episode season, you know, whether the episodes are one or two hours long, like they have the freedom to do whatever they want with the number of episodes and the length of the episodes, because like their business model is just to put your ass in a subscription seat. You don't need to watch whatever you're, you know what I mean? Like they don't really care about ratings in the traditional sense uh, that they need a show that will last them a quarter of the year or whatever. They just need something that you'll keep your subscription on for and mm -hmm. that they consistently, even when they did lower the, like on, I think defenders was a short season or maybe it, yeah, was, it was eight episodes. Like even that was like, well, it should have been six. Like it's always, yeah. it's always too long. And I feel like if anybody can actually like have the balls to say, here is this show you've got, you know, you're putting 10 pounds of material in a 20 pound bag. Here's a 10 pound bag. Make the show yeah. like Netflix is the one that actually has the business model to match that, but they haven't done it yet. Maybe they will, but I just feel like it's a shame because I like the characters and I like, uh, the tone of Luke Cage a lot. Uh, I just like want it to, uh, be just like better crafted and a, mm -hmm. a, a tighter show. Yeah, Luke Cage should be eight episodes, and Nailed It should be 500 episodes. No. There I said it. <laughs> you listening, Netflix? Nailed it's so funny.
It is time for the canon. Josh is presenting this week a sort of a tie-in with our lead topic. Take it away, Josh. Hello. So it's me, Josh Still. I am presenting for submission to the canon Tim Robinson from Detroiters episode of the Netflix series, The Characters. Uh, I really enjoyed the series. I thought it was like a really cool way to showcase people, the, uh, the talents of people who without maybe get, it was like a comedy. It's a comedy special, essentially a 30 minute comedy special for sketch comedians, writers, and actors. And so John Early had one, Kate Berlant, um, Tim Robinson, Lauren Lapkus, Natasha Rothwell. Um, and it, it was just like a really cool format. They only did one season. Uh, I, they, a lot of them came out really different from one another, but the Tim Robinson one both was, um, my, it both ties in with this week's theme and was my favorite of the run. It was recommended to me. I'd started watching the ones with people I, had knew of a little more first and my friend emily heller i have to give her credit who is a, a writer producer on barry currently what wrote to me texted me and was like have you watched the tim robinson episode yet or maybe it was on twitter she wrote to me and said have you watched the tim robinson episode it's awesome and i watched <laughs> it right away and then texted her the whole time it's so funny it's uh the it's the the sensibility of the character uh, Tim Cramblin from Detroiters, but like, it, like it's it's aesthetically similar to like his acting, but the characters are all really the situations are all really funny. It's like great sketches. It, all of the episodes feel like kind of the pilot for like a um like a Schumer show or mm-hmm. a, a Amy Schumer show or a Key and Peele, but like as a special. So they kind of like it's all fastballs rather than paste for a season. Um, you know, it's all just like, okay, here's the 30 minutes of like what I need people to see. And it, this one's great. So um, should I get into the first clip? Absolutely. I will play it for it. I will say as far as pacing goes, just to put it in perspective, this is one episode. Yes. There's six skits in this one episode. So yes, you really so get a, yeah. how quick things move. And so I have very short clips from three of them. This is a singer named Sammy Paradise. It's like a pretty uh, clear, like, luck be a lady parody. And he's making his way through a casino. He's throwing around big tips. He's um, he's ordering steaks. And he's on his way to the craps, the craps table. Lady luck. All bets. Put it all on seven. Lady Luck, they call her Lady Luck, blowing them down. When she kisses me, I'm in heaven. Snake eyes. Snake eyes? Snake eyes? (laughs) Oh, no! No! I'm ruined! (laughs) It goes on from there, but, like, that just the, like... I, when, so this is the first sketch in in the special and in the episode, and it just starts with him as this like swaggering dude coming into the the casino, and then it, it, like it's just a minute of this like old school Hollywood in Ve- goes to Vegas bravado, like it's a, the way you'd imagine like Sinatra would show up at a place, yeah, uh, and then that's just like immediately punctured. 
and completely destroyed. And it's so funny. Emily, and again, to credit, Emily described to me the, the theme of the episode as male fragility. Yeah. And, and it's totally that. And it's, yeah. it, to me, it's like the, the theme of it, the, that's there. Like the thesis is this was not the life I signed up for. Like every <laughs> yep. sketch is just like a guy being confronted by his own pathetic limitations. And it's like, there's one, there's no clip from it, but there's, or, or not only, but it, Actually, there's one exception to that, but all the other ones, there's a guy who is, like, buying a gun to avenge all the times people made fun of him for shitting his pants. Like, it's <laughs> just, like, these massively flawed, incredibly, like, um, toxic yeah. men who just can't extricate themselves from these situations that they are convinced they belong in, but <laughs> don't belong in at all. They're yeah. just, like, not suited to them. And it's destroying them. And it's like, it's so funny to the way that his eye for that, um, that's so that, yeah. I th- and I think this is just like the perfect setup. I was like hooked immediately from this, like the song and just him, his screaming breakdown. Why it worked for um, me, if I may, because I find like, when, when, when there is somebody who has a project, kind of a vanity project, you know, where they are in control of it. So <laughs> many times they, they work outside of their zone. And for some reason, like, like actors want to be singers and singers want to be actors. So many <laughs> times I, I start, they're doing a, a bit like this. and I just roll my eyes like, no, don't do that. Just stick to your lane. Be a funny person. And then like, <clears throat> I'm a minute in, I'm like, oh boy. And then, oh, okay. <laughs> this is where it's going. And then it just keeps on going down that road yeah. and keeps on going down that road. And you sort of like deal with this singer who's going through like an inverse exponential life crash where, you know, he's getting more and more desperate by the second. And as he works his way through the casino after he loses all his money, like it goes from, I want to eat that steak, you know, spit out that steak. That I, I bought you that steak. I'm going to finish the last bite down to you know, indecent proposal pitches and everything like, like going from... It's hot. I burned myself on yeah. the <laughs> But going from like, like, oh, no, it's the Vanity Project where the guy's singing. And then within one minute, he's totally won me over with that. Uh, I thought it was great. And, I, and uh, uh, I, was, I was in it from like 59 seconds. I was like, all right. Side swipe at, scr- at crooner Seth MacFarlane, question mark? Mm. Who knows? Perfect example. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's like because it wasn't about him. Like, look at all these talents I have or like, look at me showing off how cool and suave i can be it was mm-hmm. just a setup to like destroy this man <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> and even the t- i mean like the only hint you get of that because it it seems very sincere like this is going to mm-hmm. be a cool guy doing cool things is how bad the toupee is that's yeah. like the tip it's just that, the that, top that it's on one side <laughs> it's so bad love and then there's that little schmutz on the side. Oh, God. <laughs> the sideburn, yes. <laughs> the Hitler mustache on Bizier, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Put it all on black. It's red. Ah! I mean, just the timing of it is so good. I guess we should it's let you so continue. Good. Sorry. Yes, and the, 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 no, that's- AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. 
Sundance now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now. Hey, I love to hear... I love to hear your thoughts on it. And the symmetry of the sketch is so perfect. Like the construction of it is really, it's not like a, um, it, it's not quite, it's almost like an Adam Sandler level emotional breakdown, except mm-hmm. everything that they set up as he walks in the casino pays off so neatly during the deconstruction. <laughs> yeah. So it's less about his like uh, aggressive performance of it and more like the, the structure of it and the the total unraveling of like all the the swagger that they'd that he'd set up. Um, okay, so the <laughs> I just second thinking of him if from the bathroom and just everyone in the casino standing oh, yeah. around like this is awkward. Oh god! Yeah, and you just hear him screaming from the bathroom. Uh, Pay what you think is fair. I don't want. to... <laughs> it's so funny. It's just everybody's faces. It's really great, and yeah. it's like. Um, it, yeah, like you, like you were saying, it's it's not him being like, look at how cool and multifaceted yeah. I am. It was like all in service of but the bit, it's, which it's, I br- really yeah, love. It's brilliant because it, for me, anyways, personally, it lowered my expectations, and then he ex- exceeded those, and then my original expectations as well as the show went on. So it was kind of it's brilliant. tremendous. Yeah. And I had I didn't know him much from like his work on SNL. Like I wasn't familiar with like specifically like, Oh, he wrote this or like he appeared in this. So when I, when I saw this, I had no idea. This was pre Detroiters. I had no idea what I was in for. I just knew that like a friend was like, it's so funny. You have to watch it. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So the second one, this is the, I think this starts right at the beginning. And all you have to know is it's Tim Robinson shirtless as a wrestler talking to like a ringside interviewer commentator after a, a, like a professional wrestling match. Hi there, Tampa wrestling fans. I'm Rusty Vickers, and tonight we have an exciting matchup. I'm here with Fighting Jake Fletcher. Jake, tonight is your rematch with Dump Truck Wallace. The last <laughs> time you were in the ring together, it was nasty, and he came out on top. Yep. Probably the <laughs> hardest match I've ever had in my life. But Dump Truck, he tricked me. He didn't follow the rules. So this time, Dump Truck... Get in the ring with me and face me like a man. No girlfriend jumping in. No hit me with a chair. Just man on man, 
hardcore match. This time, I'm promising you absolute victory on you. How'd it go out there? He beat me. Fair and square. He agreed to all my terms. Didn't need any tricks. Nobody jumping in. Overpowered me. Simply a stronger man. He kicked out the back of my legs and I hit my head on the mat pretty hard. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and say that guy's better than me. Great. I don't have to fight him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so the sketch continues. It's just him challenging per- different people to wrestle him and losing in progressively more embarrassing ways. It's like, you can imagine, it's like, again, perfectly constructed, super funny, but just the idea <laughs> that he, at, like, the de- the disappointment of he beat me fair and square. <laughs> of, like, it's just so, it's the opposite of what you ever hear in that situation, right? It's always like, you cheated, you're a crook, now I'll take you out. and Or like, I'll get my revenge, but I guess I don't have to fight. He beat me, he's a better man, I guess I don't have to fight that guy anymore. It's like such a funny admission of defeat. Um, uh, it's... It's so funny, and the specifics of it are so good. And again, the performance of it is great. Uh, there's kind of this like faded VHS quality video to it, which I like. I think that's like really fun in a sketch in the way that like Key and Peel really uh, sunk into that. And Peter Atencio directing the sketches for them yeah. was like so. Um, so into making it look like what it was. And I think Mm -hmm. this has that quality too, where it's like from the film quality, you're like, Oh, I know when this is, they don't have to say it. They don't show the fights, right? It's just like the exterior of the arena and the bell ringing. (laughs) And then it cuts back to him. And and then he just describes the way he got the shit kicked out of him. It's so funny. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's, again, it's another one of these, like, it's it's like um it it just reminds all the char- like this character specifically is like just just quit like why is why does your masculinity compel you to keep getting yeah. like devastatingly brutally injured in these wrestling matches <laughs> in like <laughs> insulting and legitimately degrading ways um yeah it's just so funny and wonderful it also has this energy i think it doesn't like i mentioned like a dude energy of breaking bad and not that it's exclusively for men uh but it it, there is just like right in the wheelhouse of like things men are expected to be good at and do (laughs) right like the like wrestling is like that's an art form that is like fighting and screaming at other men sure (laughs) <laughs> yeah, fighting and screaming other men. And it's just like for like uh traditionally marketed to, enjoyed by not exclusively, but yeah. like a lot of dudes. And yeah. so for him to like deconstruct all these things of like cool Vegas lounge singer who like maneuvers through the casino with like this masculine ease and magnetism and professional wrestler yeah. and it's all part of the industrial machismo complex. And, yeah, and he <laughs> yeah. just like rips it apart. It's yeah. so funny. It's like I mentioned before, it, it reminds me of kind of the his characters remind me of like the out in the world version of like the characters Connor O'Malley plays who who I every character that he plays is like 
a different redditor (laughs) he's so funny and they're so they're different and they're wonderful but they're all just like a different a different subreddit of yeah that's perfect and i I like i love his stuff as well uh and these guys are like the version of that that maybe didn't have the internet as a resource and is still trying to just like do it out in the world (laughs) um okay so this this last one actually reminds me the most of detroiters and it's the the sketch that's the only real exception to the the premise or that i've pulled out of this this episode and it's a guy is his baby daughter is in a crib and he's putting her to sleep and he sits down with an acoustic guitar and starts singing her this song that's like at first it's like you're my sweet darling baby and you're gonna grow up and you're i'm gonna be so proud of you and then he starts singing about this guy that she's gonna meet and (laughs) marry Jeff rides a motorcycle, he takes you for rides, and he helps me around the house. He even shops for you, will give you tons of gifts, he'll buy you your favorite blouse. <laughs> Jeff is so freaking cool, and he's so freaking tough, he's funny as goddamn hell. He cracks me up, just the way he says stuff, freaking Jeff, funny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> it, so i it's like it's mostly just a very sweet ballad about this guy jeff yes. he, <laughs> who doesn't exist the the little girl is a baby and he's just like this is what your husband is gonna be and it's like the man of his dreams and it's yes. the only it's the only one where like a guy i think is like very unguarded and not rageful and it's just like so sweet and it reminds me a lot of like um of detroiters and that it's just it's about like the it's unexpected to hear a man express that kind of tenderness for another man and uh, and they're not in a romantic relationship. Well, it's almost like he is making a pitch too, right? Like this is his yes. ideal mate for his daughter. So it's almost like an edge. Right. Pitch, so, yeah. It is. Yeah, it's a pitch, but it's also like you can tell that his feeling about it is so sincere because it's not like this is your dream man. It's like this is my dream man and he's going to marry you. And it's not like <laughs> whom I've named Jeff. Yes, I've named him Jeff. He drives a motorcycle. He's really funny. Like I love his jokes. It's not like you love his jokes. I love his jokes. <laughs> yeah. And it's not it didn't to me read as like isn't it funny because someone's being gay right like the joke of it wasn't like no. men can't be in love with each other it's the specificity but it's like, of it all that i found yes yeah. how specific it is and the relationship of father and like father-in-law who's just so impressed by his son-in-law <laughs> of like <laughs> he's so cool and strong and tough and it's just like a really it it like really got me and that's one of the things i also love about detroiters is the fact that they'll they'll start something like the, the Sam's dad's party in season one, where there's the guy who's the clown between clown gigs, who's friends with <laughs> yes. Sam's dad. And Tim is just so hype that a clown is there and he keeps trying to get him to do clown stuff. Um, <laughs> and that's like a really nice inversion of like, oh, he's going to be really scared and hate the clown as like the comedy trope. But instead, right. he's just like, he decides to like love this thing so much. And it's not like, <laughs> 
this guy better treat my daughter right, right? Like you're going to meet this guy and like he's going to protect you from the world. It's like you're going to meet this guy and he's my best friend. <laughs> it's like he's just describing his dream best friend. Uh, and I like could – it's like so charming and it's such a, a nice break from the other characters who are – constantly like losing their minds because they're not like tough enough or people are always making fun of them. I mean like two of the there there's the the wrestling sketch where people are always beating him up. And then there are two other sketches I didn't have clips from. There's the um the gun store one and the the one with um I think it's in Brian the auto McCann, shop. right? Yeah. In the auto shop. Oh, where yeah, it's, the yeah. whole premise the is place. just like yeah, people making fun of him uh, and him, like, not fully getting it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like – and so this is, like, a lovely breath of fresh air where it's just this, like, immensely gentle ballad about a relationship that you never thought – like, nobody's ever written that song before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And it works, and it works all the more because it's the nice thing in the puddle of you know, and everything else is yeah. sort of yes. tinged by male you know toxicity, and this is the sweet bit. Yeah. And so, so those are the three clips that I'm submitting. Um, and you said, did you say you had one as well? Yeah. I, well, finish your argument, and then I'll go first, and I'll play that clip. Sure. So my closing argument is: it's a really there. There's kind of. It came, it, this came out during kind of the crest of like the last couple of years. There was like a sketch comedy boom on TV, it felt like. And the, this series kind of did not, didn't catch people. I don't know whether it was the, you know, the people didn't know about it or it, they heard about it, but didn't really know what it was. But it was like, while sketch was very popular and, and I'd never seen like sketch specials before, especially not done as a series. And this one, the voice is so original to me, the, it's like, it's about masculinity in a way that feels like self analytical and critical. And it's, it just like the structure of it of the sketches is impeccable the execution is impeccable he's great the other oh then the, there's the pointer brothers as well with that connor is in uh and so it's just like they're very silly and funny and i think they're all like perfectly executed and this is from a a, a series that i don't think got its due okay like that. All right. Oh, let me go first since I were mentioning the clip. So yeah, there are six six um, skits in this episode. You mentioned the casino one. There's uh, the one after that that takes place in a limo dealership uh, or service. <clears throat> Excuse me, where there is uh, Tim plays this guy who doesn't really get when he's being uh, played on and takes everything literally. And then there's like fallout from that. Like there's a call about 1981 and wants his mustache back. And that conversation <laughs> ends with him being, you know, an admission of uncle Dave who don't go into the tent with uncle Dave, 1981. I, it's I, like I almost included that, but I thought like without the context, it might be pretty dark. Heavy. Yeah. It seems <laughs> a little dark. So, because I'm just saying so great. Um, the one after yep. that takes place at a conference where uh, Tim and, and two other guys played the Pointer Brothers, who are not related to the Pointer Sisters. They just work these conferences, and they uh, point to everybody in the room. And the rules of the Pointer Brothers are uh, <laughs> muddled in a power 
uh, struggle on stage between Tim and mm. sort of like uh, one who wants to be uh, the lead brother. And then there is this green sort of uh, cookie monster-esque <laughs> Uh, thing that floats around called Wagyu, who like resets the rules. It's very Calvin oh, yeah. y Like, but it, Wagyu it, can't touch women. Wagyu can't touch women. You know oh, why? Yeah. Um, and then after that's the wrestling skit, and then the Jeff song, and then the one I cut the clip from is the last skit. And for me, this is like has to be the funniest thing I've seen on TV in the last couple of years. I was laughing my ass off, and it really speaks to uh, the as I was saying during the Detroiters, how well uh, the people that made Detroiters and Tim here uh, understands comedic escalation, decay, and repetition. Like, the casino is uh, you, you, he exponentially loses his shit as the skit goes. Two-point fall, then a four-point fall, then an eight-point fall, and a 16-point fall. And that's the way it kind of builds up. And almost all the skits follow that sort of exponential comedy law where uh, he only has a couple minutes and they build up really fast or it, it, the situation, you know, falls apart really fast. And the last one takes place in a gun shop and Tim comes in and he's just asking uh, to look at some guns for self-protection. And every time the owner gives him a gun, he goes into this role playing thing. And that's where this <laughs> clip is. And I'm playing about two of the five bits of this, uh, but you'll get an idea for it. That there's Glock 17, semi-automatic, 9mm. It's heavy. <laughs> and this is good for self-defense? Sure is. One of the best. Stop right there. <clears throat> Put your hands up, punk. Say I didn't clog your toilet. <laughs> say it to my face, punk. <laughs> I don't know about this one. Whoa, what did you say you want this gun for? Uh, self-defense, protection. <laughs> <laughs> you say so. Try this one. This is one of our most popular handguns. Oh, that's nice. Well, well, well. <laughs> Make my day, lady at Red Robin, who said the men's restroom was off limits for me. Say you were joking. Say I am allowed back in Red Robin, and I didn't do an absolute paint job in the men's restroom. <laughs> do you have something a little more powerful? Are you sure this is just for protection? Yes. Oh my god! Absolute paint job is an amazing <laughs> turn of phrase. I don't know if that's so his. Is this something I haven't heard before? But oh my god! Um, and the skit goes like on from there. Uh, I could have watched a lot more of that. Um, you know, the 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 timing of it is impeccable, and like the uh, how ludicrous it starts, and then like that is even a hit. Like later on. There's Greyhound buses and George Lopez is hitchhiking on the bus and he's accusing him of things like it goes crazy deep on this guy's oh, shitting foibles. And uh, George Lopez. Oh, God, the delivery of that was so yeah. good. Um, and all the skits, they sort of follow that same rhythm where it's 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 this. It's this. This is this is this. this. Um, the one exception, I think maybe I found the weakest uh, skit was actually the wrestling skit, but I, I found it started slow and didn't build up quick enough to where it was going. And I felt like, like separated from the pack, I think it's fine, but put into the rest of the five, it feels a little slow and plotting, especially to be placed in the middle of them. Um, but that's like a minor quibble. Like, like this is really, really funny. And I, 
implore you to seek it out. Like the last skit, the gun skit is like my favorite thing I've seen in so long. I'm so glad you brought this to the table. I, I heard of the show in passing, but like, it's such a nondescript title that I just like kind of assumed it could be anything. Like I never would have guessed it was a skit show. Just to look at the title. It seems like one of those one-on-one, you know, serious actor talking to another serious actor about their <laughs> yeah. craft, you know, um, you know, with Ian McKellen probably at some point. Um, so thank you for bringing this to me. I had a great time watching it and it really was like the Detroiters. You watch it once to laugh and then you can watch it again just to appreciate like the actual craft that went into this, the timing, the subject matter, you know, the, the rate at which the jokes come at you and which they escalate or deescalate. It's really like super tight and really funny. I'll go next. Uh, I had also dipped in and out of the series based on who I had heard of before, but I didn't have a friend to recommend this episode until now. Um, and I agree. Thank you so much for bringing this to us. Uh, we love Detroiters. Obviously we established that up top and this was a complete delight. Um, and I noticed that one of the, that he wrote, Tim Robinson wrote it with another, uh, one of the co-creators of Detroiters. So that the fact, the similarities in the sensibility are obvious. Um, the, the opening with Sammy Paradise, you know where it's going and yet <laughs> the, as the way it escalates, how bad it gets, how fast is, is incredible. And Tim Robinson, I would say it starting with that sketch, really making a play for our generation's Bob Odenkirk in terms of, I was going to say that he like when he yells, <laughs> it was so totally good. Odenkirkian. Yes, totally. Yes. He's, he's a, he's a very funny comedy screamer. Um, the pointer brothers, same thing where it's just like, it's a, it's a crazy weird premise. And then it just keeps getting increasingly complicated, which was also very funny. The, the, uh, the Jeff thing, I agree. I think you nailed it that what makes it funny is that you it's not the joke isn't that he's in love with a man. It's that it's that he loves Jeff. It's not going to anywhere where he's trying to make a play for Jeff. Like just the tender is the perfect word for for what is happening and his his hero worship of this big beefy guy that he invented. But um, the gun store, I I could have watched that for 25 more minutes. And then when he, when we get to the end of it and you realize that's the end of the episode, like, of course it is. You end with your best one. But at the same time, I was very sad. So this was for all the reasons that you said and that we've already discussed. This was an excellent submission. So thank you very much for bringing it to us. Sarah. Um, once again, like Detroiters, uh, I found my joy in the speed at which things were happening. I mentioned mm. it before, but the uh, put it all in black. It's red. Ah! But, oh my god so good uh, i mean the the screaming is excellent um that toupee bit like the details of that there are little sort of heartbreaking elements like that bit at the end of the raj king of the slams thing which is like it's actually quite dark because like he calls his dad and then there's that whole sequence where it's obvious that his dad is like literally the great santini and uh, he tells his dad he loves him, and then he's mouthing, say it, say it, say it, say it like oh, 15 yeah. times. And it's like, huh? Oh. <laughs> I mean, there is this, um, there is this like fondness for the characters, even in their humiliation and ineptitude. Um, always that I just, uh, I mean, I didn't. It was never one of those things where I felt like bad for laughing because it was you know because it's mean like it was just funny like there's a there's obvious like compassion for 
you know, the, the C minus existences that he is portraying here. Um, I, one of my criteria for a canon submission, as everyone knows, is does this make me want to watch more of the show? Uh, in this case, it makes me want to watch this episode again and <laughs> again and turn this sucks, you suck, fuck you from the Pointer Brothers into a ringtone. <laughs> um, because it just, the timing, again, is flawless. It's like, this sucks. You suck. Fuck you! Like, <laughs> obviously, this exchange is not the first time that they've had it. And put, like, poor Sharon backstage. They're like, Sharon, am I right? And you could sort of almost hear Sharon backstage, like, why do I fucking work here? <laughs> the occasional cuts back to the audience who are both, like, bored and also delightedly horrified at what's happening. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Um, I was... A little concerned, a la Dave, at the very beginning, that we were going to get this, like, uh, you know, Bobby Darren Vanity Project. Yep. It's like no one, no one cares about that. But the ways in which Frank Sinatra was like kind of an abusive shitheel who sucked all the oxygen out of a room, <laughs> he gets that as well as everything else. And then, of course, the screaming and trying to suck his own dick for money, except no one will give him any. So. <laughs> Spoiler. I'm getting started. <laughs> there's like, there's, there's no sadder, like, not, I mean, there's worse sadness in the world, but there's no more pathetic <laughs> thing than a guy saying he's going to suck his own dick for money in a bathroom. No one coming into the bathroom. And then him, like, yelling, like, show's about to start. <laughs> Nobody's here. Well, I guess I have to start the show. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, all right. Well, let's start the uh show of the vote. I don't think all this right. is gonna be a big mystery, but let's make it official. All right. Sarah D. Bunting. That is a yes for Ariana. I vote yes as well. Yeah, me too. Like wholeheartedly. Really fun mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's put Emily Heller in too. Yeah. All right, that means the characters, Season 1, Episode 7, Tim Robinson, you are hereby inducted into the Extra Hot Great Cannon. Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. No. Nope. It's time for winner and loser of the week. Who has our winner? I have our winner. Uh, it's everyone from Roseanne. Except Roseanne. Uh, ABC has picked up the Connors straight series and they have issued a press release that explicitly stated Roseanne will have no creative or financial involvement in the show. I have a pitch for all. ABC for this opening credits shot by shot of the Hogan family versus Valerie. You know, do you remember the credits? Yeah. It was like a car. Yes. Like they actually started with a car wreck to like let everybody know that she's dead. Definitely dead. Yep. Yeah. There was um there was the the Kevin can wait one is very is pretty legendary too, right? Oh, like yeah. the beginning of season two, it's just we're still getting her mail even though she died a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Mrs. Kevin. <clears throat> Loser. Uh, Amazon Prime. We've talked before about how bad Amazon is at promoting its original shows, and now that now that badness has been quantified. In that a recent study found that 20 million member Prime members do not know there is such a thing as original Prime video content. Yep. Bosh is in season four. Come on, guys. Good, good, good job, guys. <laughs> Just go to Amazon.com and their apps and find out why. Like, it's such a mess. They got... It's really bad. So much 
to offer and only one page to do it. And they, for some reason, refuse to modernize their website. Like they're somebody there is like, you can't change anything. Sales will go down or something. I don't know what the problem is, but it is a mm -hmm. mess. And yep. their marketing department is shitty to start with. But on top of that, you put like the UI discoverability nightmare of Amazon.com on top of that. And this does not surprise me one bit. It's terrible. Yep. Speaking about things that surprise me not one bit and are terrible, do you know what time it is? <laughs> uh, game time. Game time. Game prime. Uh. All right, everybody. This is the second game time of the season. Tara won last week. So the scores are Tara won, Sarah zero, value guest zero. Today we're playing Foodie TV. From Suli, who earns himself an extra credit, redeemable for an extra hot, great mini topic of his choosing. Okay. In Foodie TV, I will read you the description of a Foodie TV show mashup, and you must provide me with the mashup title or something very close to it. For example, these are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. To boldly add queso, salsa, and your choice of flour or corn tortillas to any standard replicator meal. That would be Star, Star Trek Mex. Okay, yeah. All right. So it's it. some sort mm -hmm. of food TV show mashup title is how we're okay. doing it. The mashup title okay. format is loose. It can be a word added, a word changed, or what have you. But I'll give you the point if you give me the gist. All right? All right. Yes. Tara Ariano, can you please describe our steel meal situation? Sarah D. Bunting has a steel meal. The rest of us do not. All right. So at any point where somebody answers incorrectly, Sarah may, at her discretion, Answer that question for a point by using her steel meal. Let's throw it to the person in control, choosing initiative, Picky 3000, to see who is going first today. We will start with Tara. All right. So our order today is Tara, Josh, Sarah, are we ready to play food TV? Yes. yes. All right. Tara. Yeah. Netflix superhero series about a small detective agency in New York City that only investigates crimes involving specialty flavored carbonated beverages. <laughs> Jessica Jones soda. Correct. I was really point. hoping that was going to Daredevil eggs and sorry ah. I gave away the future one. <laughs> For Josh, desperate to boost ratings on his show, Tool Time Tim drops candy into Diet Coke, causing small explosions, killing him instantly. Oh, gosh. Um, so there's a show, and there's a food involved, and you combine them together for the answer. Home Improvementos? Home Improvementos. Yeah. Correct. Full of life. Sarah D. Bunting. A sitcom about an all-female interior decorating agency who have a penchant for drinking sugary orange beverages sugary orange, orange beverages? beverages something uh, you would call orange drink right <laughs> yeah okay i i can't Do you know what the show okay. is i know it's designing women okay Oh, so it can, oh, so the food can go anywhere, anywhere uh, in the middle at the end. Start designing. I don't know. I see. I don't know. Sunny designing women. Oh. I didn't know that was that sugary. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's our drink. Uh, Tara Ariano. Yes. Isa Ray or is it Isa Ray? Isa. 
Isa. Neither. Way to go, Dave. Turns to <laughs> drinking juniper berry flavored liquor to cope with her anxieties. Gin secure. <laughs> All right, back to Josh. White House staffers walk, talk, and mansplain while eating spicy chicken parts. Uh, the West Wings? <laughs> or the West Buffalo Wings? Yeah, either one. We'll accept either one. Sarah D. Bunting. The origin stories of the zombie apocalypse on a Kona bean plantation. On a Kona bean plantation. Correct. The origin stories of the zombie apocalypse on a Kona bean plantation. I just work, don't understand. Work it out out loud. It'll help. Okay, it's Fear the Walking Dead. Fear the Walking then Dead. there's please. some kind of, like, coffee. So, Fear the Walking Maxwell House of the Dead. I have no idea. I don't understand how coffee's supposed to fit in there. So. Coffee or the Walking Dead. Ugh. All right. Tara Ariano. Dealing with the crippling realities of life, this talking equine turns yeah. to drinking Tennessee sour mash whiskey. Um, Bode Jack Daniels Horseman. Josh, whether yes. it's apple, lemon meringue, or key lime, whenever Livmore eats one, she takes on the personality of the baker who made it. Oh. I know the food, obviously. Mm-hmm. So we, but I don't know the TV, so it's pie... Whenever Livmore eats one, she takes on the personality of the baker who made it. Oof. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't evil can evil this gap. <laughs> I will steal meal in that okay. case. Hey. Pie zombie. Pie zombie is correct. Uh, yay. <laughs> All right, Sarah, now it is your actual question. A mutation in the celiac gene has caused stale baguettes to roam the earth in search of bran. To roam the earth in search of bran. 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 Stale baguettes to roam the earth in search of bran. The walking bread? A young he stopped woman, overthinking it. Yeah, a young woman, Tara, <laughs> is sent to Earth from Krypton to share her family's famous chowder, broth, and consomme recipes. Um, soup or girl with a U? <laughs> to Josh, mm-hmm. an unripe light bulb-shaped fruit returns home to fight crime as a vigilante, using his family's wealth and prestige as cover. Hmm. Okay. So you got an avocado. An unripe light bulb shaped fruit returns home to fight crime as a vigilante using his family, wealth, and prestige as cover. Uh, hmm. Maybe work it backwards from either one of those hints. Okay. So we've got he's a superhero returns to fight crime. No, he's uh, fighting crime as a vigilante using his family. Oh, vigilante. Excuse me, right in crime. Um,. Oh my gosh! Vigilante returns, finding crime, and failing to the prestigious cover. It sounds like Batman. It does sound like but, Batman. Yeah, and then an unripe avocado, an unripe light light bulb shaped fruit. Bulb shaped fruit. Yes. Okay. There is more than one light bulb shaped fruit in the world. Though. Yeah, there's a mango. Oh, Batmango. 
Bat may go. I want to give you. I'm going to give you a Dave point. It doesn't help you here. <laughs> um, but the the fruit in question was a pear. Unripe. Uh, green pear. Green arrow. Pero. Oh. Pero. Okay. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. All right. Uh, this will take us into our first score break. This is Sarah's question. Jack is a true hero. Saving the dog wasn't enough, but you had to go back in to get the family's favorite jar of Grey Poupon. It was worth <laughs> his life. <laughs> I, I mean, I, there are so many Jacks. I, I believe that the food is mustard. But Jack I is don't... a true hero. Saving the dog wasn't enough. He had to go back in to get the family's favorite jar of Grey Poupon. Uh, yeah, I don't know the show. I'm sorry. It's definitely. Oh, okay. Tara, do you know what it is? This is mustard. This is mustard. Yes. Uh, okay. Mustard. All right. That's our first score break. Scores, please, Tara. Very close game. Josh and Sarah tied with two points each. I have four. All right. So Josh and Sarah are tied today and in the ranking. So this is how we're going to do it for the Grossworth Equalizer Challenge. It's back! All right, this is how it's going to work for the benefit of Josh, who's our new guest. I am holding in my hand a Trivial Pursuit TV box question from the mid-90s. I'm going to read you and Sarah working as a team together all six questions. If you answer half of them right, you both get two points. All right? We'll be all tied up. So, first off, in the classics category... What 50s comedy pair created the fighting couple Charlie and Doris Hickenhooper? I give up. Josh, you know this? Ooh, I mean, my best guess would be Burns and Allen. What do you think? I think that's a great guess. Oh. It's uh, Sid Caesar and Imogene Coca. Uh, sitcoms. What 1989 sitcom sees talent agent Harry Floss scream to his secretary... Calls, get me calls. <laughs> what the fuck? 89 sitcom? Yeah. Uh, mm. If you get this, you win the game instantly. <laughs> there's I there's no think. way. Yeah, sorry. The famous Teddy Z. Oh, oh I wow. vaguely remember that show. Not from it was uh, John Cryer, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. What West clear. African's slave name was Toby? Kinte, right? Is that right? Yes. Yay! That's one. Kids and games. What kid? Sorry. What game shows cast featured Wanda the hostess, Polly the prize lady, and two purveyors of punishment? God, it's dark. Oh, My eyebrows nice. really shot up. This yeah. Card is hard, guys. Usually they're easier than this. This one's a tough one. I haven't heard of this. It sounds like "Let's Make a Deal Adjacent" by the title, but. Uh, that would have been my guess. Do you have any? Do you have anything else, Josh? This is called like, "Hey kid, keep your mouth shut." <laughs> <laughs> um, that is the cheap shows. The cheap shows. Possessive huh. okay. for some reason. Okay. Um, this is stars. Your answer will be a celebrity. What all in the family star wore a toupee? Is it my so? Not to make this our finalist, is it? Would it be Rob Reiner? Would that make sense? Um, yeah. Do you want to go with that? Because I can go with the other guy too. 
Yay! All right. I'll give it to you guys. I don't want you to overthink it. This is your last question. Get it right, and you both get two points. This is the wild card category. Good luck. What quiz shows contestant correctly listed the five dishes and two wines served at a 1939 banquet given by King George VI? Holy shit. What's, what's the game show in question? Quiz show. It says here. Quiz show. What quiz show's contestant correctly get listed the five dishes and two wines served at a oh. 1939 banquet given by King George VI? What's, what's that show? Yeah. What's a show where an answer would be like nine parts to a question? I don't know. And if, I, if I may, I don't want to color your answer, but they use the term quiz show. What quiz show? They don't say quiz show anymore. Yeah. So it's an old timey one. Is it? Um, was it? Was 21 the quiz show from the movie Quiz Show? Is that yes. what it's called? Technically. I don't want to leave you on the wrong path, guys. We're getting hot. I'm getting hotter. You're on the right track. Let's go with that. Mm. What? The $64,000 questions. With the <gasps> Sorry. Close, but no That's cigar. A- Back to I the game. I thought 21, too. That was Tar- the, the was, only Was that one an actual one. show, though? 21? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. That was the actual yeah, show in question. Because that, that movie is based on the true story yeah. of okay. that game, yeah. right? Yeah. Where you have to, and they did have to list a million things in their right. question. Yeah. And John Turturro uh, was Jewish. Primetime soap about the lives of pastry chefs who use a sugary reduction confection, all living in the same apartment complex in West Hollywood. Cara Melrose Place. Cara Melrose Place. To nice. Josh, a stunt show in which participants do as many ridiculous often extremely dangerous stunts as they can using stocky green vegetables that make their pee smell funny. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. So... uh, Stunt show where people do stupid shit Yep. and a vegetable that makes your pee smell funny. Jack asparagus. Jack asparagus. Nice! I almost went with asparagus ninja warrior. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, white asparagus? No, that's not (laughs) Secret Service agent Ethan Burke finally manages to escape the electric fence in isolation of Idaho and moves to a dole fruit plantation in Hawaii. To a dole fruit plantation. Um, Uh, There's a show, there's a food. There's a show that I'm not sure of. There's a pineapple, I assume, is the fruit. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know the show. That's Wayward Pineapples. Oh, okay. Oh, I was thinking Mission in Pineapple. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's that's as close as I was getting. I would watch that. (laughs) Uh, Tara, Tim Allen yeah. is a Denver family man who loves whiskey vermouth cocktails. Um, last Manhattan standing? Correct. Thanks, Number Mickey. 17 for Josh. <laughs> Spread Eagle. Adorable plush teddies with fantastic eyesight fight the forces of evil by shooting out rays of energy from the root vegetable designs on their tummies. Carrot bears. Yeah. Sarah D. Bunting. Patty's Pub begins serving brunch, but their stubborn cook demands that all eggs be served with soft yolk facing skyward. 
I'm sorry. Can I hear the first part of the clue? Patty's Pub. Patty's Pub begins serving brunch, but their stubborn cook demands all eggs be served with a soft yolk facing skyward. Uh, I don't know. Ooh, this is my favorite one. Josh, Go you want to lay it on us? Because I, I it's always sunny side up in Philadelphia. That is correct. For no points. But yes, I'm yes. only for glory. Look, I'm not trying to, <laughs> to poach extra points. Poach. <laughs> ah, poach. I didn't ah, mean that. Good one. Another day point for Josh. This is question 19. <laughs> for Tara, after being stuck in a bunker for years, this Asian d- drag queen makes up for lost time by eating nothing but fermented vegetable slaw. <laughs> After being stuck in a bunker for years, this yep. Asian drag queen makes up for lost time by eating nothing but fermented vegetable slaw. Unbreakable kimchi shit. <laughs> Are correct to Josh, a period piece about the passage of the 18th Amendment, which outlawed all Asian cuisine. In response, Atlantic City becomes a hotbed of black market stir fry. What's that show? Um... Oh, is it Boardwalk W.O.K. Empire? It is. (laughs) To Sarah, four women in suburbia mourn the suicide of their friend by growing oniony herbs in their gardens. Oniony herbs. (laughs) Uh, All right, so it's Desperate Housewives, but uh, what oniony herb are we talking about? Uh... Uh, uh, desperate scallions. I just don't know. I suck at this game. I'm sorry. Oh. Desperate house chives. Desperate uh, house chives. Got it. All right, Tara. The yeah. reality show in which brides attempt to find the perfect salad lubricant. Um, gross. Yep. Say the first part again. A reality show in which brides attempt to find the perfect salad lubricant. Say yes to the dressing. Correct. For Josh, your question. After a long, prolonged famine, the Marshall family's prehistoric diet is almost all sleestack intestines. Hmm. Gosh. Um, it's a tough one. I think it depends on you knowing who the Marshall family is. There's a hint there of prehistoric. Is that uh, the closest I get? Is is it Land of the Lost? It the, might be, but what's that food okay. and how is it connected? I know uh, their diet so is made up of almost entirely of slea stack intestines. So that's going to be some kind of haggis, or um, you're so close. Oh. Um, or s- sweet bread. <laughs> You're on the right track. It's Chitlin Land of the Lost. Chitland of the Lost. Yeah. Ah, Chitlin. All right. This is okay. Sarah D. Bunting's question. We're going to take us into a second score break. An ex-assassin and wealthy programmer save lives via a surveillance AI that sends them to the location of tabletop spices involved in impending crimes. <laughs> What tabletop spices involved in impending crimes? Can I hear the first part again, please? 
An ex-assassin and a wealthy programmer save lives via surveillance AI that sends them the location of tabletop spices involved in impending crimes. We have approximately two spices to choose from. Uh huh. But I have, but I have no idea what the show is. So, uh, like risoli and salt and pepper. Like I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That is anybody. Peppers of interest. Would Pe- person be my guess. of interest. Yes. Peppers. Oh, right. Okay. All right. That's our second score break. Everybody has one question left. What's our score? Uh, Sarah has two. Josh has five. I have eight. All right. Here we go. So we could skip the equal. Back to Tara. A spinoff in which high schoolers Screech and the rest of the gang enjoy breakfast food from the land of Van Damme. Uh, Saved by the Belgian waffles. Correct. To Josh. When June moves to New York City from Indiana, she is dismayed to find out that her roommate is an extremely loud, rude, purplish root vegetable. Hmm. Oh boy. June was from Indiana to New York City. To New York City. Roommates is her jerky, loud root purplish root vegetable. Root vegetable. Hmm. I'm not gonna get there. That's don't trust the beat in apartment twenty three. <laughs> oh. Sure. Alright, Sarah, I think you're gonna get this one. A teenage girl tells everyone how amazing dried grapes are meticulously recording their best qualities on cassette tapes. Ah! <laughs> oh my god. Um, uh, 13 Reasons Why. <laughs> you are correct. Alright. Final scores please, Tara. Sarah had three, Josh had five, I had nine. Alright, Tara wins, but we do have our unused tiebreaker that we're now going Thanks. to play for a steel mill for future use. So Josh will be playing for future value guests. This is how it works. Same format, except I'm talking not about a TV show now, but about a actor who's been on TV. All right. Okay. So Uh the answer will be a food actor mashup. Are we ready? Please answer only after I have uh, read the whole clue. This actor is best enjoyed as Sunday brunch, poached dripping in hollandaise sauce and appropriately served with an English muffin. Benedict, um, oh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Eggs Benedict Cumberbatch. There we go. Eggs there Benedict go. Cumberbatch. Good Josh job. wins the steel mill for value guests. Cinnamon Toast and Crunch. <laughs> Tara. Well, that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Grape. We got into gear for the season two premiere of Detroiters before going around the dial with stops at Poe's, Nanette, Barry, Jersey Shore, Luke Cage, and Handmaid's Tale. Joss successfully pitched Tim Robbins' uh, The Characters episode into the canon. We crowned winners and losers of the week. And Tara was the winner of this week's Food Game Time. Remember. We're listening. I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariano. Tim Robbins' son. Not sorry, Robbins. I've been screwing that up all episode. Sarah D. Bunting. Just wait till they're eating and then grab them by the crotch. And Josh Gondelman. <laughs> Just a sincere pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks, Josh. <laughs> thanks for Josh. listening, and we'll see you 
right here in two weeks' time on Extra. Not great. And if we're being 100, it would help me out a ton if you get bit by a dog between now and the court date. I'm not getting bit by a dog. Okay. Well, uh, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't suggest it. And really, between you and I, it's really easy. Just wait until they're eating, and then you grab their crotch. <laughs> This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. Okay, yeah, we've had a problem here. A dramatic rescue mission from the depths of space. You're 200,000 miles out. You're in a spacecraft that's dying. 13 Minutes to the Moon Season 2 tells the real story of Apollo 13. I literally got on my knees and prayed. 13 minutes to the moon. We don't have much time. From the BBC World Service. We're not going to the moon anymore. We're going to just be damn lucky to get home. ACAST is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.